uh, I'll, I'll just want to give you a little bit before we leave today uh, from Romans chapter 3. Um, this passage, uh, you know, a few times you get a passage where it's just so powerful you just want to stay there for a while. And uh, this is one of those passages in Romans chapter 3, uh, verse number 4. And of course, um, this passage, there's a primary interpretation and there's secondary applications. We know that we're dealing with a Jew here in this passage. We know that uh, God has laid that charge to them, how that, you know, your religion is outward, it's not inward. And that's the problem. And you need a change of heart. And so they answered back. They said, well, what advantage then hath the Jew? And the Apostle Paul, uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, wrote that, well, your advantage is, is that it's been committed unto you, the oracles of God, the utterances, the words of God. And, of course, that's for the Jew, but also for the church. Uh, we've been given the Word of God as well. Many people don't understand that as far as the church is concerned, that God gave us the responsibility of preservation. And he preserved it through us, just like he did with the Jew. Uh, for the Old Testament, he used the church for the New Testament. And so we have the Word of God. By the way, it's not the publishing companies. It's not Nelson's. It's not those. It's not a special group out there living in some ancient land that we don't know of. It was local bodies like this, full of the Spirit of God, that knew what was Scripture and what was not. When they heard the, the Word of God, when they, were read, they read those letters... There are many false letters, you've got to remember this, uh, from the first century on, there were already counterfeits in play. Uh, before the apostles actually died, there were already false, uh, pe- false teachers writing false documents using scriptural context, but twisting it. And this is before they were even dead. So you, can you imagine some 2,000 years later? The devil's always been in the business of trying to mess up God's word. That's why this passage is so important here. It says in verse number 3, I'll go to verse number 3 instead of 4. For what if some did not believe, shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? So if I don't believe, does that change what God's going to do? No, not at all. I mean, for the Jew, he chose a nation that he was going to make a light to the world, and that's going to happen. Uh, There's all kinds of people out there that think, oh no, it's done for them. It's not done for them. Israel has a great purpose ahead. God doesn't start something just to end it. What he doeth, the Bible says, he doeth it forever. Amen. He doesn't fail in his plans. We fail him, but he doesn't fail his plans. So what you have is you have a... um, You have a promise given to a nation just like there's promises to the church. But the individual must choose whether you want to be a part of it. You have to choose. But that's not going to change God's plan. There's still a heaven, there's still a hell. There's still a plan and God's going to fulfill. And the Bible says that this church is built upon the rock and the song about Jesus Christ and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And whether this church makes it or not, whether we continue in the faith or not, it's not going to change the promise of God. It still will prevail against the gates of hell. My thing is, I want Airdrie Baptist Church 
to be a church that's a part of the plan of God. I want us to stay in tune with the things of God. I want to be used in these last days, and we're there right now, my friends. We don't have to wait for the last days. They're here. And not only just the last days, but the latter times. We're in the latter times of the last days. It's here already. And the Bible says that the devil's doing his work, but we also know that God's doing his work. <laughs> Amen. And so this is no time to quit. This is no time to, to say, well, let's uh, you know, settle down and, and just uh, you know, enjoy our lives here. No, sir. This is a time to sacrifice. This is a time to consecrate your life to the Lord and be used by him for greater purposes than you've ever been accomplished in your, in your past. I don't care if you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, 90 years old. We got a couple of 92-year-old men here today. Praise God. <laughs> Doesn't matter how old you are, you can consecrate your life to God and be used by him for a great and powerful purpose. And that is the only choice we have today as Christians. This passage here, the next verse, it says, So shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect. God forbid. (laughs) Yea, let God be true and every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mayest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. So I want to give you just a couple of quick points before we dismiss today on reasons why... You need to believe that God's promises are true. Reasons to believe. And last week I went over one of these, and the first one is that God is true. God is true. He's the only one you can count on that is not a liar among us. The Bible tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. His character itself is true. The Bible says, in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. So we, we tend to start working down here, up. He works from up there, down. Yeah. That means that I am perfect, he says. I am holy, and what I say is true. And so what I give to you reflects what I am. So when we got his word today, I'm very sad with Christians today, because we're in this mentality that somehow this book is not true. Or there's errors. Or, or you could be uh, rendered like this or translated like that. I'm sorry, we got some real problems today when a God that has perfect character says, I cannot lie, and then he gives us his word, the Bible says, which he magnifies above his very name. And we say it's got problems? God help us. <laughs> If our God has the character of holiness and true truthfulness and and he he changes not, the Bible says, don't you think that that which he gave us is the same character of that which he himself is? And if it isn't, then what kind of God do we have? I mean, if anybody needs it, we do. (laughs) He gave it to us because it's supposed to be profitable for us. The Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. My friend, we need the word of God today. We need to believe that it's the perfect word of God. We need to believe that his promises are true because God is true. (laughs) That is one really important reason why you ought to believe that God's promises are true. The second reason is this. 
that all men are liars. <laughs> the men are liars. I know we put a lot on stock on men, but I'm going to tell you something. If their words do not line up with these words, you can just simply say you're a liar. <laughs> I've had people come to me and say, oh, no, Israel's done. God threw them away. Their purpose is finished. Well, I'll just say you're a liar. You're just a no good liar because you've been listening to liars and now you're believing the lies and only that now you're spreading the lies. The reason why I believe that God's word and it's so important for us to believe that it's true is because God is true and that men are liars. We live in a day where, where you, you can't just trust what people say. You never really could, but today above all days, I believe. The Bible says in Colossians 2.8, it says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. In 2 Timothy 3.13, it says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But he tells us, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Amen. In other words, we're going to go forward today. Evil men will wax worse and worse. And we're seeing it day after day, week after week. And they are deceiving and they themselves are being deceived. That's why we need to hold to the word of God. That's why we need to hold the promises of God as perfect and true. And I can bank on them every time. Amen. Oh, you'll have people telling you all kinds of things. Don't just listen to what people say. You get yourself the Word of God, and you start reading the Word of God, and you start bringing everything to the mirror of Scripture and make sure that it exposes every lie that's being fed to you and your family. But we're living in a day and age where we want to be tolerant, and we want to stroke everybody around us, and we just want to, don't want to seem mean, and we don't want to seem narrow. But the Bible says narrow is the way. Not broad. Broad is the way to destruction. Not, not to hope and happiness and blessing. Narrow is that way. Oh, people want you to just have a broad message today. But it's not a broad message. It's a very narrow message. I always say it's about that thick. <laughs> Amen. False teachers are liars. Oh, they're around us everywhere, folks. I can't tell you that there's probably more burden on my heart. Well, at least it's in the top five of our people being deceived by false teachers. False teachers don't just go walking around in the garb of religion with the, the sashes and the, and the jewelry and the stuff. No, they're around you everywhere you go. They could be sitting right next to you today. The apostle Paul warned them. He says, grievous wolves will enter in among you. And disciples will draw away, they'll draw away disciples after themselves. That means you get people whispering in your ear and telling you little heresies and little things like that because they, they want you to turn away from the things of God and follow them, not the truth. We're living in that day today. Have you, have you thought about that? Have you given your mind to that week after week and, and, and told your family, be careful, don't just listen to what everybody says. This social media out there, they're, they're sending messages to your family, they're sending messages here and there, and, and we're not warning our families. There's liars out there. For such are false, false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. 
And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Oh, we're living in dark days today. That's why the Bible gives us admonitions like Titus 3.10. It says, a man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. See, we're so tolerant today. Oh, yeah, just come on in. No. <laughs> you got someone coming to your door and they're talking about a different Jesus that's a reincarnation of the Michael the archangel or a different Jesus that isn't the perfect son of God. You say, no, no, you're not crossing my threshold. And you admonish them. You tell them that message sends souls to hell. You can't be talking like that. And if that don't tweak them and that don't get them to think about it and they come back again, you give it one more try and after that you say, you're done. I reject you. And sometimes you need to learn to do that. But, oh no, we're way too taller. We just want to stroke everybody today. Oh, I want to show how loving. That's what 1 Corinthians 5 was all about. We got someone that is, that is having a, a sexual relationship with a family member, uh, incestual, and we're just so accepting in this church. We just love people. Around. Folks, we need to stand for the truth. And it's not easy. It'll cost you something, amen? amen. It truly will. Men are liars. So many things. I got lots of points here I could say, but you know, one of the biggest things is those that deny Jesus Christ are liars. It says, who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Oh, no, they just got problems. No, they're antichrist. They're against, they're standing in opposition to the Lord Jesus Christ. Men are liars. Third reason is God, God's word justifies. You know, Romans chapter 3, verse 4, it says, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings. I like what Romans 8.33 says, Who shall lay any charge, anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Yeah. You ever caught somebody justifying themselves? Well, you know, I've got, I got so many things going on, and I got this, and I got... I said, hold on there. What you are doing is you are trying to declare yourself righteous. Let's let God do that. <laughs> You know, it's so easy to give our excuses and our reasons and this, that, and the other. But you know what the Bible says? You know who justifies in this world? God. You want to know whether what you say is true and what you say is error? God will tell you. But we, go, we don't have no verses. We just, well, I just think. I believe. <laughs> I just feel. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Your feelings don't justify you. And your thinking don't justify you. For it is God that justifies the reason why we've got to hold that God's word is perfect and that his promises are true is because it's the only thing that will justify the words out of your mouth. Be careful what you say. The Bible tells us that every idle word will be brought into judgment. Sometimes I listen to people say, why would you say something like that? Do you realize that what you just said is eroding the faith of somebody beside you? Is that justified by God? Are your words justified by, by the word of God? If you can't say something scriptural, you've got to close your mouth. Sometimes I think, Lord, it would have been better if you just cut out my tongue. <laughs> I'm almost envious of these people that can't speak. Because what danger we can get into with this, but boy, what message we can bring with it. And you know what's the difference? 
between people using their tongue as something that hurts, set on fire of hell, and using our tongue for something that blesses. <laughs> Whether it lines up with this. It's everything. You don't got verses on it. You don't got Bible on it. You don't know what the Bible says about it. You just shut your mouth. <laughs> and then you go to the Bible and you find out what God says about it. And even in your simple understanding, you say, well, I don't know everything, but I know that God said this. And God will say, amen. For God to love the world, amen. Anybody tell you that God doesn't love people, say, ah, God loves the world. You're justified, Amen. You're justified to say that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm justified to say that. Before my God, he looks down and he says, you are justified, son. Keep saying that. There's a lot of stuff we say we shouldn't be saying. Because it doesn't line up with this book. Be very careful when you criticize the word of God. 1800s, we got into this higher criticism phase. Where all of a sudden men got so smart and so educated that we thought that we could correct the word of God. Oh, God's looking down. Uh-uh, not justified. Not justified. You know, I hear so many preachers come across the pulpit and say, well, a better translation would be this. Well, the first thing is this. God has not called me to criticize his word, to pick it apart, or to give you my thoughts on what it should be. I am a prophet of the word of God. I say, thus saith the Lord. And sometimes the prophets didn't even know why they were saying what they said. But all they said was what God told them to say. And folks, we got to stop this thing where we think we're smarter than God. That somehow God has called us to pick apart and tear apart the word of God and say, oh, this is better and that's worse. And No, sir, you just lift up this book and you just preach it as it is. And I'll tell you something, if you'll just listen and obey what you do understand in the Bible... You'll have enough to do the rest of your life without criticizing the stuff you don't know. You understand that? But I'm hearing more and more, even in Baptist churches today, and it's making me sick. I am just an old-fashioned, fundamental, fuddy-duddy preacher. And you can accuse me of that, but you know what? The fact of the matter is, I believe God's looking down on my philosophy and saying, justified. Is he saying that about yours? Because if your philosophy is justified, then you show me where it is. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. This is getting right down to it, isn't it? Every word that comes out of your mouth, it's got to line up with the principles of Scripture. It's got to line up with the truth of the Word of God. The fourth and final reason is why I need to believe that God's promises are true. It's the only way you're going to overcome judgment in your life. I'm sorry, it's not going to be your wife that's going to stand there. <laughs> Maybe down here she stands between you and your responsibilities, but not up there. Man, up there, you're going, to, you're going to meet God face to face. And you can say, well, it's the woman that thou gavest me. And he can say, yeah, I heard that one before. Yeah. <laughs> no, Adam, it's you. It's you, Adam. You understand that? Folks, if we're going to overcome... When we're judged, the word overcome simply means to conquer. You want to conquer? You want to be a conqueror? That's what an overcomer is. It's a military word. That means that you will have won the battle or lost the battle based upon your view of this book. 
It all depends upon that. And that's why today we're living in an age where people are trying to erode your faith in God's word. Let it never be said of anybody behind the pulpit in this church. And I've heard any preacher ever come up here and say, well, it's a better translation of, I'd go up there, grab them by the ears, and I'd pull them down and say, your time is done. Yeah. Amen. It's a military word. You can follow your heart if you want. The Bible tells that. It says, Ecclesiastes 11.9, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. Sounds good. And walk in the ways of thine heart. Now, that's what I want. Just follow your heart. And in the sight of thine eyes. Oh, anything I want, anywhere I want to go, anything I want to take into my life, that's what I'm going to do. But then he goes on to say, But know thou, for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. Okay, I don't like that part of the verse. <laughs> I like the other part. It sounded good, <laughs> you know. Not that part. Oh, Jesus said in John 12, 48, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. The word. Well, then I better go to the letters in red. And <laughs> No, sir. You want to know, know what the words that Jesus Christ gave you? Genesis to Revelation. He's God of heaven. Every single the and, every single word in this book came from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ and was given through the Holy Spirit of God. And holy, holy men of God were moved through the Holy Spirit. You know where it came from? Jesus Christ. He's the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. He is God. It's that word that will bring us into judgment one day. That's why I need to believe what the Bible says because it's the only thing that will help me overcome. It's the only thing that will make me a victor, a conqueror. We did a funeral on Friday. I used that, kind of that same thought about being an overcomer. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, it says, you are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More than. I thought about the more than. <laughs> well, then I need to find out what a conqueror is and I've got to understand how I am more than that. You look at the conquerors of this world. Hannibal, who brought his uh, army of elephants across the Himalayan mountains to defeat the Romans. And you think, wow, that's quite a feat. It really was. But the Bible tells me I'm more than that. Well, what makes me more than that? I can never do that. I can never have that strategy. I'd probably, man, going up the hill, I'd run out of breath. He's you're more than a conqueror. Tell you why. Because the one thing that Hannibal could not conquer was death. And you have. Through Christ. Through him that loved us. Oh, folks, do you understand when you trust Christ as your Savior, you have conquered death through him. That's why I get... You know, that's why I preach a lot about knowing you're saved. And people say, oh, well, there's good people that believe you can lose your salvation. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Are you a conqueror or not? Did he do it or not? Is it half you, half him? Is it a quarter you? Is it a tenth you? Is it a ninth you? How much is you anyways? Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you put your trust in Christ. That's where salvation comes. I always say when people sit down on the chair and they, you know, I say I trust that chair and you put your hand on the table holding up one one hundredth of your weight. You don't trust the chair until your hand is off that table. 
Well, my baptism, my going to church, my this, my that. No, sir. You take all of your weight and you just put it on that chair and you just let it sit on there. And when somebody tells you, how do you know you're going to heaven? You just say, because Jesus died for me. He paid for my sin. He took my sin away and he rose up from the grave. That's how I know. Not me. Oh, so many times people say, how do you know for sure? Well, you know, I did this. You're trusting an I. It's the middle letter of pride. <laughs> there is no I in your salvation. No, sir. It's all Christ. All Christ. <laughs> oh, and by the way, did you know that not only is your salvation all Christ, your life is all Christ too. Well, I'm going to go do this for God. No, you're not. <laughs> you don't do anything for him. You do something with him if he allows you to. Now, he gave us by his word the permission to work with him and to plant seed with him. But never are we supposed to take the thing and say, oh, God, you just sit back there. I'll do this for you now. Oh, no. <laughs> you don't realize how much you need him to be with you every step of the way. Not only is your salvation all Christ, but your living for him is all Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My life is his faith. <laughs> you know, all your new versions, they change that to faith in Christ. King James is the only one that says faith of Christ. Yeah. So do you live your life by your faith in him? Or do you live your life by the faith of him? Two little letters. Is it important that you believe God's word is pure? These days there's a Bible out there called the ESV. A lot of people are going for it. A lot of people I thought were sound. <laughs> Every time it says faith of Christ, they've changed it to faith in. It's a whole different thing when I'm the one piloting or if it's him. If I'm the one making the decisions or if he's the one making the decisions. Like I said, folks, I'm going to leave you with this. Remember the faith of God. Will it make the faith of God without effect? Will my lack of faith, my lack of belief, make the faith of God a none effect? Well, the faith of God exists apart from you. <laughs> the faith of God does not need you. The faith of God is perfect and pure and it will work itself out as a decree of God and it'll work right to the end whether you're with them or against them. It really doesn't matter. The faith of God is always there. Always perfect, always pure, always right, always just. But then there's my faith. I came over here, I believed I was a monkey for a while. <laughs> then I started to believe that, oh, I'm pretty good. I can do something. Maybe God will accept me because of me. Oh, is that faith something? No, it's pretty empty. There's nothing in that faith. <laughs> but as I connect my faith to his, oh, Lord, I believe that you are the Savior. <laughs> I believe that you have died for me. <laughs> I don't know much else, Lord. I don't know how to live my life or what I'm supposed to do or anything like that. I got a bunch of things over here I, I'm really messed up with, but this much I've got settled now. He says, you've just entered into my faith, yeah. which is pure and perfect. 
Will your lack of faith, your unbelief, make the faith of God of none effect? <laughs> Only for you. The Bible says one day we're going to see him as he is. But it goes on to tell us how that will become one with the Lord Jesus Christ. This has always been. It doesn't need to be perfected. doesn't need to be made better. It's always been perfect and true and right. The only problem in this equation has been me. I connect. I grow. I become Christ-like. And one day the Bible says that I come into unity of faith with Christ. You understand that? You don't live by, by your life by your faith in. You live your life by the faith of. Because there's a whole bunch of you that's messed up. <laughs> and that's why you need to believe that this is a perfect book. Because this is an expression of a perfect God. And the promises are just as true as if God himself would stand in front of you and thunder out those words. Would you say to him, oh Lord, I think a better translation would be, no sir, shut your mouth. There's a time to shut your mouth. And that time is whenever you feel that you need to somehow become smarter than God. That's when the zipper needs to go like this. And humble yourself before a holy and mighty God. And fall on your face. And say, God, you are everything. I am nothing. I just want to do your will. Show me. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. But the glory of man is, of, is, is like the grass. That fadeth away. Only what he does will last. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Four reasons why you need to believe that God's promises are true. Because God is true. Because men are liars. Because it's only through God's promises that you're justified. And it's only through his word that you will overcome. Everything else will fail. Whatever your philosophies, whatever your parents taught you, whatever grandpa taught you, whatever the religious leader taught you, it does not matter. It has to come down to the word of God. Lord, have mercy on me. Help me to spend time in your word. Oh, if there's something on our hearts tonight, to this morning, you ought to say, God, I need to get back to your word. I need to read and not only read, but understand. Help me to study as a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That needs to be the cry of our heart this morning. And then I know that we will.